0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 136. And today, we're going to be looking at a text that gives gives us an account of a man trying to justify himself. He doesn't want to be wrong, and he certainly doesn't want Jesus to be right. He's overall pretty well defended against making any changes... In his life, you might you might know some people like this, right? He sees himself in the right, even when Jesus points out he's wrong. I mean, how common is this, really, when you think about it—the need to be right, uh, to not take a correction. How common is it to be immovable in your position, whatever that would be, whatever you believe yourself to be right in. I think it's pretty common, don't you? And I think it's one of the most damaging habits that we can fall into. This whole idea of justifying ourselves. So easy to fall into this. You know, when we when we justify ourselves, we're we're never wrong. So we don't really ever have to apologize or make amends or change our ways. We never really have to change because we're always right. And it's surprisingly easy to rewrite our past history. You know what I mean? It's like, it's very easy to rewrite past conversations or things you, or actions or things you said and sort of downplay everything that puts us in the best light possible. It's, a, it's certainly a spiritual danger. It's an emotional danger, right? They're both connected. Um, this whole idea of needing to have things done in a particular way, and it has to be your, your way. Well, in our text today, we're looking at Luke 10 we have a, a conversation between Jesus and an expert of, this, uh, in, of Scripture, really. He's called a lawyer, but it's a little bit confusing because the lawyers in Jesus' day were really experts in the Scripture, in the, what we call the Old Testament. It's nothing to do with civil law, nothing to do with being an attorney. So the conversation is between Jesus and this lawyer, suppose a theologian we would call him today. And he brings a question to Jesus, but the opening line is kind of interesting and it sets the context. It says, Luke 10, I'll just read it, verse 25. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, what does God require of me? What does God require? Looking for? What does God require from me? So there's the context, which is really important because he wants to test Jesus. So this isn't really an honest question, right? He wants to discredit Jesus, he wants to trip him up. And we've seen in the past with other uh, many texts that the people who were most hostile to Jesus were the religious ones, particularly the religious leaders. Yeah, they're the most threatened. I suppose it's because they have the most to lose and uh, because it would require changing, right? Because he's bringing a whole new way, a whole new way of relating to God. So the question is, what does God require? What does God, God require from me? and jesus meeting him on his own grounds answers by saying well what do you think how do you read scripture it's like hey you're the you're the professional right you're the you're the theologian what's your reading what's your understanding what's your interpretation and the lawyer says well i think it's I think what God is looking for is, uh, yeah, he quotes from Deuteronomy and Leviticus. He says, it's uh, love God with all your heart and soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That's, That's the most important thing. Which, by the way, is the correct answer. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, okay, yeah, you've given me the right answer. And it's almost like he's closing down the conversation. It's like, okay, you're right. Love God, love people, go ahead, do that, and you'll live. Well, that doesn't sit too well with the lawyer. This doesn't sit too well with the expert on the scripture. Because this is, it's a lot easier to say this. It's a lot easier to quote this right, then actually do it. I mean, who in the world can love everyone, right? So he says to Jesus, well, and this is the line that sort of caught my attention this time, verse 29, wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, who do you mean by neighbor? In other words, he's looking for a loophole. It's like, okay, okay, I know that God expects us to love people. I know that God expects me to, you know, love people like I love myself, like I look after myself. But let's just narrow this down. Otherwise, it's going to be impossible, right? Let's just narrow this down. What do you actually mean, Jesus, when you say, you know, we're, we're, to, we're to love people and, you know, love our neighbor as ourself. What do you actually, who is that? Who are you talking about? And it's at this point that Jesus tells the story, tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, it is one of the most well-known parables, but he doesn't get into any more discussion, really. He starts by, uh, he answers by giving a parable. And very briefly, the parable is that is that a man is robbed and he's beaten up and he's left for dead by the side of a ditch. And two religious professionals who work at the temple walk past and do absolutely nothing. A third man walks past, and this particular man is from Samaria. Now that doesn't mean anything to us at all, but ancient Jews hated ancient Samaritans. There was a lot of racial tension, There was a lot of religious tension. I mean, they really had nothing to do with one another. And the parable is that the the Samaritan stopped to help this poor man lying in the ditch. He put him on his horse or his donkey, whatever animal he had, took him to the inn, paid the innkeeper, you know, bandaged up his wounds and said to the innkeeper, look after him when I come back. When I come back on my return journey, I'll I'll pay anything else that, you know, any other expenses that have happened. He sort of goes over and above the call of duty. That's the parable. And Jesus says, okay, at the end of the parable, Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? Who do you think the neighbor was? Who did the right thing? And the lawyer says, well, the one who stopped and helped. The one who stopped and helped. He couldn't even bring himself to say the Samaritan. He'd probably have to choke that out. But he says, well, okay, the answer is, I guess the one who stopped and helped. It's like, yeah. Two religious ones walk past and ignore him don't want to be involved. They know that God wants us to learn to love others as ourselves. They know that, right? That's their job, to know the scripture. I'm sure they both have very good reasons for not getting involved, right? I'm sh- maybe, maybe they're not cold-hearted. I don't know. Maybe they're scared. I mean, maybe they're scared they'll be robbed also. Um, the point, of the, I think, of the parable is is that the two religious ones who walk past are basically not motivated by compassion. They're not led by love, right? They're not led by the kind of love that moves them to action. They avoid. And then this least likely one stops for all their religious training, for all their knowledge of scripture. They don't do what's required. See? Knowing it's important to do the loving thing doesn't mean that you do it, in other words, right? You can study the Bible, you can know the scripture, you can go to church, you can do all the religious things. But, you know, I mean, it's one thing to know what's right. It's another thing to do what's right, right? We can know all sorts of things and not do them. And by telling this parable, Jesus is really showing the lawyer what he's failing. But here's the thing. As soon as the lawyer gets a hint he could be in the wrong, as soon as he gets a hint that he could be on the wrong path, he immediately wants to justify himself. Right? He immediately wants to get into debate. What do you mean by neighbor? Who's my neighbor? What do you mean by neighbor? I think it's a key point in the story here because when you think about it, if he, he would have been far better off just saying what I've thought a million times, quite frankly. The scripture says we're to love everyone and it's just impossibly difficult and I can't do it. Don't you think? Wouldn't he have been better off just saying, well, I know what the scripture says. God says that we're to love God and we love God by loving people I mean he could have just said yeah well I know what it says but I mean it's just so hard but you see that would have taken some humility right that would, that would take some trust to say that to Jesus that would take some vulnerability because you would, you would have to admit that, that you would have to have the courage to admit that you have failed right and that you're wrong now, that would have actually put him in a far, far better position. But he doesn't do that. What he does is, and this is the temptation for everyone, he rushes to justify his action. The religious expert in, the part, the, in this text, he knows all the right answers. He just couldn't live it right? So his faith was like a do-it-yourself project. A lot of people have, a lot of people view following Christ as a do-it-yourself project. And it's actually nothing about that at all. I mean, if we could do it all by ourselves, why would we need Christ in the first place when you think about it, right? That's why they call him savior. What am I getting saved from? Yeah, what am I getting saved from? Why is he called Savior? I think we're getting saved from ourselves. Yeah, his faith was, you know, just keep doing your best and trying harder. He knew God's way. He knew it was the way of compassion intellectually. But, you know, he knew that at the beginning of his encounter with Jesus. He knew all this at the beginning of the parable just like we know it. So I don't think Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan to tell him something that he already knew. It's the same for us. If you do a quick reading of the parable of the Good Samaritan, if you just read through it quickly, you'll think, oh, it's like this morality story that tells me to be good to everyone. Well, you don't really need a parable to learn that, right? Because you already know that. Jesus doesn't need to give you a parable to tell you that it's important to love people. I mean, parables really, they tell us something either we don't know, they tell us something that we've never known, or they tell us something that we've forgotten. They tend to not just repeat things that we already know, right? We don't need anybody telling us you're supposed to love people. You're supposed to care for people. That doesn't make any sense, right? We, we don't need people telling us love is important to God. We know that. I think what the parable shows the lawyer is that you're failing. You're failing. You're not living the way you were designed to live. So you're pretending, in other words, I think indirectly Jesus is saying, you know what, you can't really do this by yourself. It's kind of like all the teachings of Jesus are impossibly difficult if you really understand them. All of them. There's not not an easy one among them. But I think that this one has got to be the hardest, you know. Just this blanket statement of, yeah, I care about people. It's like everybody, yeah. I mean, really, when you think about that. Well, Jesus had this saying, it's like it's like a camel going through the eye of a needle. Yeah. It's like it's not gonna happen, people. It's not gonna happen without God's help. If you if we could change ourselves and be more compassionate. We would have already done that. If we could change ourselves and be more loving, right? Because all of us have people in our life and we think, oh, I wish I could be more loving to this person. Or I wish I could be more loving to this group or whatever, right? We all have people. We all have people that it's very difficult for us to like, let alone care for. If we could change ourselves and be more caring and more concerned, we would have already figured that out by now. So I don't really think that we need the parable of the Good Samaritan to remind us that love is important to God. But we might need the parable to remind us there's no way we can live this way without the help of God. Yeah, it's not a do-it-yourself project following following Christ. It's it's nothing, it's it's not just like, you know, another hour of therapy. It's it's it's, it's more of a, I suppose it, the easiest way to think about it is it's certainly relational. I mean, he would say, Jesus would say, uh, lean on me. Lean on me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light, meaning we're in this together. We're in this together. You're not going to be able to love people you don't like, or love people who hurt you, or love people who disappoint you. Um, it, it's just not going to be possible. I mean, it's like, it's like a camel going through the eye of a needle. The only way it could ever be possible is if God comes to us and helps us. That's the only way. Yeah, I mean, that's, that becomes the prayer and the heart cry, basically. It's like, God, there is no way I can love this person. Or there's no way I can care about this person unless you come and help me and give me insight into, into that person, into me, into that situation, whatever it is. Yeah, well, we are never, ever meant to carry these burdens alone. All of the teachings of Jesus are meant to be done hand in hand with Christ, with the Holy Spirit helping us every step of the way. And that becomes the prayer and that becomes the heart cry. So when you hear these parables or you hear these um, teachings that are that somehow feel way beyond you, it's like, I don't think I can do this. It's like, yeah, you're right, you can't. You can't do it. You can't do it by yourself. And that's why you need a Savior. Well, thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.